you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. It's been good to be in church today, has it not? It's just been just a, a good day together, and it's been awesome. 1 Peter chapter 1. Our theme this week is obedience. And this is our D6 study, and for our guests that are here today, our, our D6 is Deuteronomy chapter 6, where we as a church are strategically trying to match the church with the family and hook them together in, 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 in spiritual maturity and growing up the children and growing up the family in the ways of the Lord. So therefore, in all of our classes on Sunday morning, we all study the very same passage of Scripture, we all study the same biblical theme, and then I try to expound on that theme on Sunday morning so that it can give all of us time whenever we go home and through the week uh, to be able to engage in conversation around the biblical theme that we've studied together uh, that particular Sunday. So our theme this week is obedience, and we're going to talk a little bit about obedience today, and, and I just want to share with you, um, I, I guess, just some nuggets on obedience. And I guess the title of my message, if I had a title, I had a hard time creating a title, but the title of the message is simply going to be Obedience, an Attribute of Christ Followers. And I did not, I intentionally did not use the term Christians because almost everybody in America seems to identify or call themselves, for the most part, a Christian. There's a difference between just calling yourself a Christian and being a Christ follower. And if we're going to be a Christ follower, if we're really born again, we're following the Christ, we're disciples of Christ, we're learning and growing, the number one attribute, the number one character trait of a believer is obedience. Uh, matter of fact, God said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he says, be, be obedient, in essence, is what he's saying. So all this week, we're going to be unpacking and talking a little bit about obedience. The goal for the week is, is this, that we would follow God even when it is uncomfortable. That we would follow God even when it's uncomfortable. Now, this morning in our D6 classes, all of our Sunday school classes, we were studying out of Isaiah chapter number 6. In Isaiah chapter number 6, he saw the Lord holy, high, and lifted up his, his, the train, the glory of God filled the temple. And once he acknowledged that, he said, woe to me because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean people and sinful people. And a seraphim, you know, came and took a coal off the altar, touched his lips in, in a form of, of repentance and, and, uh, and renewal and forgiveness and sanctification and all these things. And, and then God said, Who, whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, I'll go. And, and he said, who should I go to and what should I say? And for how long will I do it? And that's all the rest of the chapter. But God told Isaiah to deliver a very positive, upbeat message. Right? Wrong. He told Isaiah to deliver a doom and gloom message. Judgment is now coming on my people. I will leave a remnant like a tree that's cut and a stump that is left. But for the most part, there's going to be devastation. Now, let me ask you a question. Was that uncomfortable for Isaiah? Sure, it had to be. To be able to be a messenger of doom and gloom, the judgment, the wrath of God because of the children of disobedience, that had to be an uncomfortable message for him to be able to deliver. But guys, listen, God doesn't call us necessarily just to be obedient when it's convenient or when it's comfortable. He calls us as cross followers to be obedient regardless of where or how or the message or whatever it is that he lays on our heart 
that we're to share or we're to go. You know, I thought about that and I, I, this morning I thought, what, while Robin was giving her testimony, I said, I thought to myself, what a perfect example of obedience. Now, was that a very easy testimony to share for her? No. But it was something that she shared with me that she felt God laid on her heart that she needed to share with you. And I said, let's do it. That, what's that called? Obedience. Even when it is not comfortable. And guys, if you are a true Christ follower, if you are sincerely sold out to follow Jesus Christ, then I guarantee you he's going to bring you through some difficult areas of your life, some areas that may not be very comfortable, but we're going to have to be obedient as we go through that. You know, it's almost, and this is something I was sharing with Sister Jamie this morning, and I don't think she even realized it's kind of part of what I was even going to be talking about today, being obedient. But sometimes when we're obedient, when it's not comfortable, it's almost like, you remember back in the book of Jeremiah and the, and the potter's wheel and the clay? And where the clay is on the potter's wheel, and the clay is, is a reference to us as believers and Christians, and, and the potter is molding that clay, and the potter in his hands is, is, is symbolic of, of God working in our heart and in our life. And, but there comes time when the potter has to put some pressure on that clay because he has an image that he wants to mold this clay into. And the only way to get that clay to start rising and to take form and shape so that it could be a vessel possibly that the potter wanted to use to be able to hold water or serve food or whatever the case may be, so that it could be that vessel that could be used by that potter, he had to put some pressure. And you know what the role of the clay is? You may say, well, the clay doesn't have a role. He just sits on the... No, 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 no. The role of the clay is to stay pliable where we can be molded and shaped into the vessel that God wants us to become because he has a plan for you hello he has a plan for you every single one of us and the only way we'll be able to live out that plan is when we are obedient. First Peter chapter number one, and you'll be studying this tomorrow whenever we get into our study together. And by the way, if you do not have our curriculum, it's free to everyone. We have curriculum out on the table, out in the foyer. If you do not have, we're in brand new curriculum for this quarter. If you do not have curriculum, please stop by there because there's daily devotions that, that you need to be studying together as a church family, together as a family, as individuals. So stop by there and get that curriculum. But tomorrow we're going to be in 1 Peter, and you're going to be having a little devotion time, and you're going to be discovering that the obedient compare their actions to the nature of God and not necessarily to others. And we're going to be unpacking that and discovering that in 1 Peter chapter 1. But let's look and see what it says in verse number 13. And if you may, may want to know this, I'm reading out the Holman Christian Standard translation, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, the HCSB. And it says this, Therefore... Get your minds ready for action, being self-disciplined, and set your hope completely, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, first of all, he calls us to be what? Self-disciplined. 
disciplined. To bring some discipline to self. Guys, do you realize Paul said, I die to the flesh daily? Guys, do you realize the flesh is going to rise up every single day in you and want to do what the flesh, the carnal, the the natural man wants to to do? And Paul said, I crucify the flesh daily. What's that called? That's self-discipline. And if we're going to be obedient to God, we're going to have to crucify the flesh. The flesh, flesh is going to rise up and say, but I enjoy that, crucify it. But I want to do that, crucify it. But I enjoy it, crucify it. Self-discipline is what he's talking about. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now guys, for us, To be holy as God is holy is going to take some disciplines that we are going to have to willfully engage and place in our lives so that we can be conformed into the image of God's Son, which is His ultimate goal for every single one of us. But in order to do that, it's going to come down to a character trait called obedience. Character. Think about that term, if you will. Matter of fact, that's one of the things that I think is very much lacking in our society today and probably a lot in the church there's a lack of just character and what is character and what does character mean here's Webster's uh, dictionaries um, result of what character it says this it's the mental and the moral qualities distinctive to an individual And obedience is a primary character trait. It's a mental or moral qualities that are distinctive to an individual. Now, that's what Webster's Dictionary has to say about character. And I guess that's all well and good, and it certainly has its place. But I'm more concerned with what does the Bible have to say about character. And I think there's a great passage of Scripture. There's many. But there's a great passage of Scripture that I believe defines biblical character very well. Jot this one down in your notes and just the reference, if you will, but it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17. And it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And look, new things have come. I think if we're going to define godly character, it's going to be in this verse. Where old things are passed away and there are new things in our life now. The old flesh is dead, the old man is dead, the old way of thinking, the old way of doing, the old actions, the old mindset, that's all dead. And there's a new man now in Christ Jesus. And I think that's a pretty good definition of what character is. Well, what's new in my character according to this verse? I believe there are three things, actually, and I don't have a place for you to jot these down, but you may want to write them in the margins. The first thing is is my thought process. My thought process is going to be different. The way we think needs to change. Whenever we think about being a a believer and having godly character and, and old things being passed away and new things coming and us living this new life as a Christ follower and being obedient to the commands and the call and the scripture and the principle of God and his word, we need to change the way we think. Our thought process is different as a child of God. 
But not only that, our actions are different. I mean, just simply the way we behave is different. Hello? You know, I look at my life before I was a Christian, a Christ follower, and after. And I look at my life even since then in times when I've been backslidden and had to ask God to forgive me and renew me, something changed in the way I behave. Matter of fact, it really started in the mind because your actions are simply a result of what you're thinking about. So as your thought process changes and you start thinking differently, it's going to affect your actions and your actions are going to be different and the way you behave is going to change. And then thirdly, your ambitions are going to be different. What's important to you is going to change. You see, there was a time when there were things other than cross. There were things other than spiritual maturity. There was things other than godly influence. There were things, other things in my life that were important to me. My ambitions now are different. Why? Because I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. And all of that requires us to be obedient to the Lord. You see, because my thought process is changing, because my ambitions are different, because I behave differently, now that I am a Christian, now that I am a believer, my character is becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've not arrived. I'd be the first one to say, like the Apostle Paul, I have not obtained all things. I'm not there yet, but be patient. God's not finished with me. You know the little song the kids sing? We all grew up singing that song in Sunday school. Be patient. God's not finished with me yet. He doesn't make junk. He's still working on me, that little, that little jingle. And guys, that's true for all of us. We just simply need to be patient. But we're being conformed into the image of God's Son. Do we have an example of an individual that met the requirements of a holy God? Well, we do. And his name is Jesus. I want you to listen to this passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 1 and verse 9 and verse 11. It says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descended to him like a dove. Get this now. And a voice came from heaven. Now this is God the Father speaking. A voice came from heaven. By the way, you see the Trinity in this verse, don't you? You see God the Son in the water being baptized. You see God the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. You hear the voice of God the Father. There's the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit that's mentioned right here. But listen to what God the Father says in verse 11. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, I take delight in you. You see, I think the life of Jesus Christ is the greatest example that any of us have in living an obedient life. You see, because Jesus relinquished his desires. He relinquished all of his passions. He relinquished all of his life. And he placed all of that in the hands of God the Father. When did he do that? Do we have chapter and verse? Do we have scripture? Yeah, yeah. You want me to tell you when, when he did that? When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember that bitter cup that he looked at and there what he saw? And he saw all these, these things. He, he, he saw the sins of the world going to be placed upon him when he looked into this bitter cup. Talking about the crucifixion, talking about Calvary, talking about all that was going to take place. But I think what he saw more than anything was that the sins of the world were going to be placed upon him and God the Father was literally going to turn his back on his son. He saw separation from God. Did he want to do that? No. Was he obedient? The scripture said yes he was, even to death on the cross. What a great example. And of course God the Father says this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased, who I take delight in. 
Let me ask you a question. Does God take delight in your life? Could God say that about you? Could God say that about me? You know, I look at my own self and I I find myself really like Isaiah saying, woe is me. You see, because I know who John Cannon is. And I know the own personal struggles that I have. And I'm not standing before you today as a perfect man. Listen, I have the same struggles that I guess all of us have from time to time. But that's when we got to get back to the foot of the cross. And that's where we've got to be obedient. That's where we've got to surrender to, to our will and say, God, not my will be done as Jesus did in the garden. Not my will be done, but thine. Not my way, God, but your way. Not my desires, God, but your desires. Listen, guys. This type of a lifestyle can only take place when we, as God's children, live a life of obedience. What's the problem with that? The problem is that many find the word or the term or the actions and the thought about obedience offensive. We don't want anybody to tell us to obey. Matter of fact, I was talking to my wife this, this week on the phone. I was in my study and I was, I was trying to hash out this message and, and I'm thinking about the topic and I'm trying to get, go to scripture and I'm getting all kind of scripture and stuff and I'm thinking, you know what? Nobody wants to be told you must obey. So I called my wife. I said, how am I going to convey this in a, in a, to where it's more of a positive affirmation instead of a negative thought process? Matter of fact, Jesse and Rachel came out of the office, had lunch with Donetta, and I sat and I asked them, I said, how can I convey this in a positive light? And he gave me a very good illustration. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find it. He said, Scooby Snacks. <laughs> Guys, listen, why is it that whenever we hear the term obedience, we think of it as offensive or in a negative way? Nobody's going to tell me what to do. That's the flesh speaking. You got to identify that. By the way, let's, let's do a test. Let me see how well you like to be told what to do and how well you like to obey. Here's a test. First of all, to the ladies. Are you ready? Ladies, tell me how you will react to this. Your husband rises up in the morning. Before he leaves for work, he says, Brad, I'll be home at five o'clock. When I get home at 5 o'clock, I want dinner on the table. I want iced tea by my favorite chair. I want the remote control placed in my recliner. I want this house clean. I want the kids well well behaved. You're putting all these stipulations in. How many of you ladies are going to take real good to that? Yeah. Oh, we have one here, Mr. Lauderdale. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she, yeah, he saw that hand go up. (laughs) Most are not. Guys, here's your test. See how well you respond to this. You're driving down the road. You know at the next lot you are to take a right. But your lovely bride sitting beside you says, Honey, when you get to this next lot, you need to turn left. And you say, No, that's not the way. It's to the right. She says, No, it isn't. When you get here, turn left. Question, how many of you guys, when you get to that lot, are going to turn left? Even if you know you're a wimp. <laughs> I'm just kidding you, just kidding you, Justin. <laughs> I'm just kidding you. Even if you, <laughs> even if you know that you're supposed to go to the, there's something in us guys that we don't want to be told which way to go when we're driving, do we? 
And there's, I mean, I mean, we really don't even want to look. At, matter of fact, whenever we put Garmin up on the dash and we plug in the destination, we really sometimes even question Garmin. That's not right, Garmin. The wife says, listen to Garmin. I'm not listening to Garmin. That's not the right way. And then you pass that way and... If your garment's like my garment, there's a stupid little voice that says, please turn around, please make a U-turn to the next convenient. I'm like, hush, I know the right way. We just simply do not like to be told that we're to do something. It's almost part of human nature. Listen to what Chuck Swindoll said about this in his book, Flying Closer to the Flame. Here's a quote from him. He says, quite frankly, you and I don't need more revelations from God. What we need is to observe and obey the truth that he has already revealed in his book. We don't need more revelation from God. Most of us, and I'm going to include myself, have not digested all that's already been written or living by it or being obedient to it. Chuck Swindoll says that we need to observe and obey what's already been shared. Now, we're going to be talking a little bit about obedience and all that's been kind of way of introduction, but let me show you this short video clip that may help illustrate a little bit more about obedience. Go ahead and run this clip. You see, dude, it's easy. I just throw this stick out yonder, you pick it up and fetch it back. Okay. Well, we'll do it again. <laughs> Go on, boy. Get it. Fetch it to me. Fetch it. Fetch it. <laughs> all right, I'll show you. Just once more now. now you watch. <laughs> Catch on, Duke. Catch on, boy. Do it once more. Fetch it, Duke. Get it. Come on. Get it. Shucks. You know something, Uncle Jeff? That there is a real dumb dog. Well, I don't think he's so dumb, Jethro. He just learned you how to fetch sticks for him. (laughs) That's pretty good, isn't it? Obedience. I don't know about you, but I guess sometimes I find myself like old Duke. Just sitting on the porch and maybe conviction settled in my heart and my spirit. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. But listen, guys, if we're going to grow to be the Christian that God wants us to be, We must learn to be obedient. And by the way, whenever we get a hold of the biblical concept of obedience, it will catapult your relationship between you and Christ. It'll be a night and day difference. This book will come alive because God's not going to reveal any more truth to you unless you're obeying the truth that he's already revealed. Hello? How are we we to study God's Word? The Scripture says that we're to study God's Word line upon line, precept upon precept. In other words, there's building stages. And you can't expect to have a, a, a thorough biblical working knowledge of the Bible until you're already obeying the basic foundation principles that are already there. So obedience is a big part of our Christian life. So I want to encourage you. Matter of fact, listen to the psalmist. The psalmist says this, and I I want to share it with you. Stop your fighting and know that I am God, exalted among the nations and exalted in the earth. We need to stop rebelling against obeying. We need to stop rebelling when the spirit of conviction comes and learn to obey. Psalm 4 and 4, God says, be angry and do not sin on your bed. Reflect in your heart and be still. 
I hope and pray and that you just reflect. Now, I don't know what area in your life that God may be dealing with you about at this moment, but for everybody, it's different. But I want to encourage you, instead of getting angry and putting up walls of defense and justifying what we do, let's just be sensitive to the leadership. Let's be still and listen to the voice of God. When we do, two things that happen. Jot these down real quick. I'm going to hit them and go. Whenever we learn to be obedient and whenever we listen and follow through with that, two things are going to happen. Number one, God will be glorified. He'll simply be glorified in your life. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 11, it says, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things. And because of your will, they exist and they were created. Guys, you realize that everything that was created was created to bring honor and glory to God. And whenever we as a believer and a Christian live a life of Christian obedience and biblical obedience and we just comply to what God's word says, it's going to bring honor and glory to God. It will glorify him. Secondly, jot this one down, you as an individual will be blessed. You will be blessed. I go back to the principle that we find in Genesis chapter 12 where where God came to Abram and said, Abram, I want you to get up and leave the earth of the Chaldees. Well, God, you don't understand I've been here for generations. My business is established. My family is established. And we're here. God said, get up and leave. And when you leave, he said, I'll bless you. And not only will I bless you, but I'll bless those that bless you. You see, there's blessings that come on your life whenever you simply just live a life of obedience. And I guarantee you, many of you right now could give a testimony to that effect. Where God has dealt with you over something and you obeyed and you did it and how he blessed you as a result of doing that. Probably every single one of us could raise our hand and say, you know what, I justify that is true. Hello? Blessings come whenever we live a life of obedience. How many are familiar with Pastor Cho over in Seoul, South Korea? Has the world's largest church, evangelical church, solid church, well over one million members in that church. Pastors everywhere flock to Dr. Cho and want to know what is his success. How is he so successful in reaching the Koreans over there with the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing them commit their life to God? And I'm talking about Christian believers that go on the prayer mountain all around that area and pray for hours every single day. I mean, serious about their faith. I mean, it's hard for us in America to get Christians to show up for an hour on Sunday morning, let alone every single day before they start their activity, get up on that prayer mountain. But his church people are doing that. And they ask him, what is the secret to your success? What is the key to your success? He said this. He said, I pray and then I obey. That's it. I pray and then I obey. That's so simple, but yet so profound. But guys, that's what God's Word teaches. Whenever we pray, we're interacting with God, we're having conversation with Him, we're talking, and then we be quiet. He's speaking to us, we read His Word, He's speaking to us, we're engaged in this, this conversation with God. And whenever He reveals something in our life, Dr. Cho says, I just do it. I obey. All that we could get there. All that we could get there as a church family. All that we could get there as individual believers to where we just go to God in prayer and then God lays something on our heart and then we get up and obey wow we just close our Bibles and go home now what a great message but I got more I want to share with you 
about obedience. Obedience is simply putting into action what God requires. And let me share with you some areas that are impacted by obedience. Number one, jot this down. Obedience brings forth examination. Obedience brings forth examination. Guys, may I share with you something? God wants to change you. Listen, listen to this. God doesn't want you to be the same person you are today five years from now. Did you hear me? God wants to change you. He doesn't want you five years from now where you are right now. Now, I'm not talking about physically, and I'm not talking about living in a city or a house. I'm talking about in your own spiritual life. In your relationship with him, he wants you to grow closer to him. He wants you to get real excited about your relationship with him. He wants you to get more intimate in your spiritual relationship with him. God doesn't want to leave you in the state that you are. He wants to grow you. And guys, the only way that'll happen is when we're obedient. But as we are being obedient, it will bring forth an examination in our life. David knew this. We go to Psalm 119. If you have your Bibles, you may want to flip them over there, and there's going to be a few references that I want to share with you. You may just want to jot these down. But Psalm 119 is a tremendous psalm. And in that, David is doing a lot of reflecting. But I want you to listen to how David knew that obedience would bring forth examination. In Psalm 119, verse 27, he says this. He says, help me understand. The meaning of your precepts so that I can meditate on your wonders. David is slowing down and he's studying God's word and he's praying, God, help me understand the meaning of your precepts. I'm willing to examine my heart. I'm willing to examine my mind. I'm willing to examine my thought process. Help me understand this. Let let me share with you David's statement of obedience found in that very same psalm. Psalm 119 verse 1 and 2. He says, how happy are those whose way is, is blameless, who live according to the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all of their heart. David is saying, if you'll just simply seek God and obey him with all of your heart, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be happy. We look further in Psalm 118, or 119, verse 18, and then in verse number 22, we're going to see how that desire to know and understand God's word and his precept is going to cause a desire for self-examination. Listen to what David said in Psalm 119, verse 18. He says, open my eyes so that I may see the wonderful things in your law. Open my eyes, God. Verse number 22, take insult and contempt away from me. For I have kept your decrees. David did some self-examination and he realized that his eyes were closed and he realized that he had insult and contempt in his heart. And he said, God, open my eyes. I've got them closed. God, open my eyes. Help me to see your word. I've got a preconceived idea of what I believe your word is saying. God, open my eyes and remove this insult. Remove this contempt out of my heart. Obedience is going to require you to do some self-examination. Hello? Are you getting that? Listen to verse 33 through 38. Here's more of this examination that David went through. He said, teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes. 
and I will always keep them. Help me understand, in verse 34, your instruction, and I will obey it. Verse 35, help me stay on the path of your commands, for I take pleasure in it. Verse 36, turn my heart to your decrees and not to material gain. Verse 37, turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless. Give me life in your ways. Confirm what you said to your servant, for it produces reverence. Wow. You go through that, if you just start unpacking all these different things that that David is drawing attention to, you'll find that he is examining himself. And guys, as we live a life of obedience... There will be a time when God brings us to that point of examining our own individual life. Possibly, as David said in Psalm 139, verse 23, 139, 23, he says, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. Wow. What a prayer. Search me and test me. I think a lot of times, thinking about the testings of God, a lot of times we are too quick to throw those over to Satan's court and say, Satan is just attacking me because of a difficult place that we may be going through. It may have nothing to do with Satan. It may just very very well be the testing of God and him wanting you to be obedient because remember, obedience is not always comfortable. Hello? Hello? Wow, that's some good stuff. Number two, jot this one down. Not only does obedience bring forth examination, but number two, obedience brings forth blessings. I've already talked about this, but I want you to turn, if you will. I'm not going to have time to unpack all of this, but I want you to get the reference, and I want you to go home and study it some this week. Turn back in the Old Testament to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 28. Now, the entire chapter deals with the blessings of being obedient, and the curses of disobedience. The blessings of obedience and the cursing of disobedience. Now, Leviticus chapter 26 is the parallel passage, and and it runs hand in hand with the very same thought process. But Deuteronomy chapter number 28, and what I want to share with you is that obedience brings blessings. Look what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. Now, if you faithfully obey, wow, Notice that all these blessings and all these promises that God is giving his people, I want you to notice every one of them are conditional. God says, I'll do every one of these things if you do this. Guys, you realize that many of the promises of God in the Bible are conditional? Upon us obeying, upon us doing whatever he requires us to do, then these blessings will come. That's exactly what we find in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now, if you faithfully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all his commands I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will put you far above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings will come and overtake you because you obey the Lord your God. It just doesn't get any simpler than this, does it? And then you go down through there, and I just, time's not going to allow me to do it. I wish I could go through and preach about every single one of these blessings and share with you what was happening in the life of Israel. But that's a great study for you to engage in. 
But I want you to look what he says in verse 3. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the country. Your descendants will be blessed in verse number 4. The soil, the produce, the offspring, the livestock, the cattle, the herds, all of that will be blessed. Verse 5, the baskets, the kneading bowl will be blessed. You continue all the way down through there. Your enemies. He said, I'll cause your enemies that rise up against you. I'll cause them to come into you one way, but they'll depart and flee seven different directions in the fear of God. Listen, I will protect you. I mean, blessing upon blessing upon blessing, God is saying, we'll be yours, but it's conditional. And it all hinges on what? Talk to me. What does it hinge on? Obedience. It hinges on us being obedient. So it almost goes without saying. And I think you get the point. Whenever we are obedient to God, and he brings us to different stages and levels or whatever in our life, and we're obedient to that, the blessings of God will be bestowed on our life. It's evident. All through Scripture, you see it. But the third point I want you to jot down, the last one is this, or three things I'm going to give you after that quickly, but the last major point is this. Disobedience brings consequences. Disobedience brings consequences. Now, you look at the latter part of chapter number 28 and the latter part of Leviticus chapter 26, and here you'll find this principle. And really, all throughout the Word of God, you'll find it. But look what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15. But if, there it is again, there's the condition, it's placed on us and our decision-making, but if it's placed on us, get this, our free will to choose whatever it is we want to choose. By the way, guys, can I share this with you? You're free to make any choice in the world you want to make. Make them. God loves you so much that he says, I love you so much that I won't just allow you to make any choice you want to make. Now, I hope you'll choose to love me. I'm praying that you'll choose to obey me. But because I love you, I'm going to... Uh, by the way, the greatest gift that God has ever given us is the freedom to choose. And ultimately, choose his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You're free to make any choice you want to make. But get this. You're not free to choose the consequences of that choice. The consequences will come as a result of the choice that you make. I preach this to my kids at home since the day they've been old enough to understand this principle. Does that mean they've been perfect? No. None of us are perfect. But every choice you make has consequences. If it's a good choice, the consequences will be blessings. If it's a bad choice, the consequences will be painful. Hello? Why is it that we want to have the freedom to choose and then the freedom to choose our consequences? Well, I don't deserve to be in this situation. I don't deserve to be attacked like this. I don't deserve. Listen, you do deserve it because it's a consequence of the result of the choice that you made. Hello? We need to be thinking about the consequences on the front end instead of the tail end. Hello? Somebody say amen. Are you with me? Here's the consequences of disobedience. But if you do not obey the Lord, your God, by carefully following all of his commands and his statutes that I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overtake you. Now, you go down through the rest of the chapter and you read all the curses that are coming. First part of the chapter, all the blessings if you obey. Second part of the chapter, all the curses if you disobey. Point is this, guys. Obedience brings forth examination. Obedience brings forth blessings. And disobedience bring, brings forth 
consequences. I'm reminded again what Jesus said in John 14 and 15. If you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me. Well, how do we do that? Write these down quickly. I'm giving them to you and we're going to be done. How do we obey? How do we become obedient? Three things. And just go ahead and put them all up, if you will. Three things. Seek God's direction. Number two, surrender to God's will. Number three, serve with all of your heart. Those three things. If we'll start applying these three things to our life, if we'll start seeking God's direction in everything that we say and do, if we'll surrender to God's will, and we talked about this, we touched this briefly. Where's lesson? There's lesson in, in the Sunday school class this morning. We touched this briefly, just surrendering to God's will. If you'll seek God with all your heart, his direction, surrender to God's will, and then serve him with all of your heart, it'll help you to live a life of obedience. Now, all week long, we're going to be studying obedience. And I believe it comes back to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 once again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Our thought process is different. Our actions are different. Our ambitions are different because we're a new man. We're a new woman in Christ Jesus, and we're going to live a life of obedience. My prayer is that you'll study obedience this week, that you'll engage in conversation with your family this week about obedience, and that you'll be obedient. You'll examine yourself. And you'll live in the blessings of God in your life. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed and have our praise team come at this time and prepare our song of meditation, invitation. I don't know what it is that God may or be doing in your life or what area that he may be dealing with you about. But I want to encourage you this. Understand a couple of things. Number one, God loves you. He loves you. And he has a wonderful plan for you. But a lot of times that plan is just going to be based upon the condition of our heart and if we're willing to obey. Are you living a life of obedience? If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, my prayer is that right now that you'd realize that, that God loves you. He gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. He was buried in the tomb. He rose again victoriously the third day. And right now he is seated by the right hand of God the Father. And he's there making intercession for you and for me. And right now all you've got to do is cry out to a holy God. As Isaiah did in Isaiah 6. And say, God, I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. Please forgive me of my sins. And the moment you do that, the blood of Jesus Christ will just flood your soul symbolically. And all your sins will be forgiven. And your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. And you'll inherit heaven because you're a new believer in Christ Jesus. And if you've not prayed that prayer, maybe right now you just need to pray, God, I realize that I've come up short in so many ways. That I've sinned. And I pray, God, you'd forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I believe you died for me. You were buried. You rose again. Right now, I want to be a believer, and I want to be your child. I want to experience your salvation. I ask you to come into my heart. I wonder as heads are still bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you've already prayed that prayer. But maybe as a Christian and a believer, maybe you just haven't been obedient. When God has fingered around in your heart about different areas in your life, 
Will you choose to be obedient? It will cause examination. It will cause you to examine your heart and your life. It will bring blessings. But disobedience will bring consequences that God does not necessarily have planned out for you to go through. But he has no result, no option, but to allow you to suffer them if you disobey. What is it that God's been dealing with you about? Right now, let's take it to him. Father, I don't know. I have no idea in what area that you're dealing with individuals right now. But God, I know we're human. God, I know myself. I know I'm human. I know I make mistakes. I know I think things I shouldn't think. I say things I shouldn't say. And God, I pray you forgive me. God, I know as a result of just being human that sometimes we become disobedient children. I pray, God, that you'd forgive us of that. And God, you'd help us to examine our love in whatever area it is that you may be dealing with us. Help us just to be obedient to you and sensitive to your Holy Spirit and help us to live under the blessings of an almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.